0: Welcome to the thrifty marketer podcast, a podcast where we meet amazing individuals from all walks of life. Here's your host Vivek with a new episode for you. Today, I have a special guest. He requested for one hour early slot at 7.30 PM. So I'm happy to be here. Uh, And we will be talking uh, about an interesting topic today. So today's topic is navigating conflicts in the workplace. Yeah. We all face N number of conflicts at our workplace. We deal with it in various different ways. So we have a special guest today. He will teach us about the effective communication and resolution strategies for managing conflicts in a workplace. So today I have Jerry Fu with me. Jerry is a conflict Resolution Coach, who helps Asian-American leaders advance in their careers and life journeys. Having taken on several pharmacy leadership roles, Jerry started coaching in 2017 to help other Asian-American professionals deal with the conflict they encounter at work, with their culture, and within themselves. Prior to starting his coaching business, Jerry served as a pharmacist and began facilitating leadership workshops since 2012. Today, Jerry offers a range of coaching services, which includes individual coaching, group workshops, and keynote presentations. He has appeared on over 120 podcasts and plans to appear in plenty more. both. So if you want to learn more, check out www.adaptingleaders.com. So let me bring Jerry on. Hey, everybody. Hey, Jerry, how are you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm good. How about you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, You know, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, worried about guests appearing late on the show. And it's very tough to manage stuff, uh, you know, running a monologue all the time. Thank you for coming on time. And thank you for taking your time out for Thrifty Market Talks today.
1: Absolutely. Happy to be here. All right. So, Jerry, you know, as
0: you know, the topic is about conflict management resolution, etc. So I have a set of questions ready for you. So if you're ready, we can start off right away
1: yeah, let's jump in. Absolutely.
0: All right, so uh, Jerry, let's start at the very beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Conflicts. Conflicts happens in various sizes and shapes in workplaces. So, you know, what are the common causes of conflicts in the workplace and how can they be prevented?
1: Yeah, I mean, some of the most common, uh, showing up late, right? (laughs) It's just, it's that easy and uh, you know other times it is uh, communicating what proper expectations are to get a certain task done right Others are communicating what those expectations are to begin with and to make sure that the other person understands what those are right, right. And this isn't just from like an in- internal team level this is also with clients or with vendors or other people right because right. Um, yeah when when what you say isn't necessarily what people hear uh, right then it causes a conflict right? Other times people are just human and they just say things that are careless and that's all you need to do to set off a tripwire, right? So uh, that's those are, I'd say three of the most common ones where, yeah, there's punctuality, there is mismanaged expectations, and then there is just careless errors.
0: Right, right, right. So um, so my, my next question is about communication. So how can employees effectively communicate and address conflicts as they arise, you know, as they arise?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Part of it is just adre- learning to address things promptly, right? Uh, no one would look at a fire and say, "Oh, that's not a big enough fire for me to put out right now. I can put, I can deal with that later." But that's right. exactly what conflicts are, and when uh, we wait until they're too big to ignore, by then it's usually too late. So, part of it is, you know, designing a system to make sure that people understand: Hey, if I don't want this consequence to happen, I'd better stay on top of it right like to use an extreme example i remember a band director in middle school uh when practice started he'd lock the door and if you were late uh you couldn't get in and you got a zero for the day right it doesn't work so well you know as adults (laughs) but you know when you're trying to condition students to do better but the the same is true you can still implement similar consequences as a boss right to say hey look 835 you know if you're not here 836 sorry like you know the rule right um and so part of it is, yeah, just designing a system to even avoid these things to begin with. So people are incentivized to say, hey, you know what? Let me not even get to the point where I know I have to have this conversation. Uh, let me honor, like, so there's two things, right? You can honor the relationship and say, hey, you know what? I, I really respect my boss. I don't want to do anything to disappoint him. So let me you know, be motivated to do that. The other is, yeah, design a system, which is to engineer out the flaw. Um, and so, yeah, part of it is just recognizing, hey, you know what? You know, that comment you said the other day kind of really hurt, Um and we talk about the concept of safe words, right? To say, hey, we say, ouch, say, okay, well, what, you know, how did that hurt, right? And so to have a, a culture where people are willing to say, hey, you know what, I need to speak up. And I know that when I speak up, uh, the other person isn't just going to dismiss me or brush me off or, you know, and like just insist that somehow my problem isn't a big deal. So I'd say right. those are good starts. Yeah. Right,
0: right. That's that's uh, super super important, actually, having an know. Op- having an environment to have an open communication, right? So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about positive work environment. So what steps can managers or leaders take uh, to create a positive work environment, you know, and prevent conflicts from escalating?
1: Yeah, um, part of it is uh, having leaders set a good tone by being willing to listen and collaborate, right? Um, What we like to do in a lot of workshops for leaders and things like that is we ask them, Hey, you know, how do you, what kind of, what kind of rules or group norms or standards do you want to hold your group to, or believe that best for the group? Right. Cause if it comes from me to say, Hey, yeah, we need to start on time. We need to end on time and we need to let each other finish their sentences without interrupting. Everyone might say, yeah, yeah, he's right. But ugh, you know, I don't want to do it. But when I, I invite them to say, Hey, what do you want? this group to look like and you kind of let people sit in the boss's seat for a second and you ask them well you know if you were in charge how would you run things right and then you can take their ideas and then combine them with yours to say hey well, here's some of my how can we kind of mix these two together right you're going to get a lot more buy-in when people feel like they have a voice and don't just do this just to humor the process right guys like if you only do this just to make them feel like it but you're not really going to implement any of the ideas they're going to come back at you um, you know, just twice as upset, right? But you can, you're can you allowed to, you know, compromise and say, hey, you know, I like that idea. Here's why we're not going to do it. Like, people just need to feel heard, even if they understand, yeah, you're not going to give them everything that they want. So uh, that's a, a good strategy that we have, or an effective one anyway, is just to say, hey, you know what, I can't do this without you. Uh, and you have that humility as a leader to say, hey, look, yeah, there's a top-down structure where I am accountable for things, and I want to not abuse that power. I want to share it with you so that we can both really bring out the best in our relationship and make it productive.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Humility is the key word there. every leader needs to develop that uh, skill, you know, if they don't, do not have that. Right. So let's talk about a bit about culture, right? Like how can businesses and organizations develop a culture of open and honest communication to address conflicts before they even become major issues for the company?
1: Mm, Yeah, I think, this is something that changed for me in the last couple of years. Cause before we used to say, well, we need to decide on our common values. Right. And that sounds nice until you use vague words like, well, we need vision and integrity. (laughs) And and they're like, yeah, those sound great. It's like, well, what does that even mean? And like, I, I wrote out at one point a manifesto for my employees of like the ideal employee too long, like no one's going to read through that. (laughs) Uh, And so what we say is you just kind of have to narrow it down to about Four or five key qualities you want in every employee. So you say, "Hey, I need people who are punctual. I need people who are focused. I need people who are coachable. I need people who uh, speak up. You know, I need people who, uh, you know, uh, take responsibility and don't finger point, right? And so when you when you put these things in play, and then you have like a standard operating procedure of sorts, when things go wrong, like to say, "Oh, hey, yeah, this expectation was not met. Okay, so we need to identify the problem, ask five whys, you know." And so when people, you know, have a contingency plan to say, okay, we know what we need to do uh, whenever something goes south, that gives them the confidence to say, oh, I don't, because half the time they're like, I don't want, I don't know what to do. Say, okay, well, here's a five-step plan to help you get to where you need to go. Well, I just don't want to do it. I'm just like, okay, as a leader, I'm going to ask you, how can I make this easier for you to take initiative? And you get to the root of the issue, it's like, oh, you know, I I like my popularity. Oh, I like I don't like it when people are upset at me. It's like, okay, well, you know, what's that costing you? You know, do you like feeling resentful every day? Feeling, you know, what's it going to take for you to realize that speaking up and failing is better than you just keeping silent? And I mean, right. I, I I preach that to myself first and foremost, right? So yeah, but those are the things we'd say, hey, yeah, be very specific about the qualities that you look for in an employee, just four or five of them, so they're easy to remember. And then just make sure you have, uh, say, hey, yeah, here's the five-step plan to be sure that uh, whenever conflict comes up, so the, the frustration doesn't boil over.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, so that everybody is clear about what they how, how to handle it better before it becomes a major issue. Thank you. Thank you so much for that answer. So let's, let's talk about conflict resolution strategy, right? For example, some of, what are the, some of the key elements of an effective conflict resolution strategy? And how can businesses implement this?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, First is to what I like to do is imagine what a successful conversation would sound like. And so success may be different for every person, right? In certain situations it is. Yeah. Let's restore this relationship to as a hundred percent as close to it as possible to say, yeah, let's get to a point where we enjoy being around each other. And we like working with each other again for other people. It's a compromise, right? To say, hey. Um, we seem to really escalate arguments whenever we touch on politics or, you know, religion. Can we just not talk about those anymore? Like, I still like no. working with you. I'd just rather not get in arguments with you. Done. Right. And then the final one, maybe you may have to write someone up and say, hey, you know, I don't want to have to do this. And, uh, in order to honor the company and to, and to get you to maybe, you know, work a little harder or get you to wake up, I'm going to have to write you up. Other people you're going to have to to fire, right? To say, hey, I'm going to have to dismiss you, right? Uh, This is no longer a good fit. And uh, we're going to have to, you know, we're both going to have to, you know, make transitions. Um, So that's the first step is to say, okay, what do you really want out of the conversation, right? And then the second is to find 10 seconds of courage, kind of like we talked about, okay, what would it take for you to be able to send that email, pick up the phone, send that text, so that you set the boulder in motion and you lock the gate behind you. And so there's now there's no backtracking because, Otherwise, what happens, right? Oh, maybe it's not so bad. Oh, maybe it'll fix itself (laughs) on its own. Maybe, maybe I just need to sleep on it another day, right? And then next thing you know, it's like three weeks and it hasn't gotten better. So, you know, you need to kind of keep, I say this to you as in we all do. Uh, The third step is to script your critical phrases, right? To say, okay, what do I want to, how do I organize my thoughts, right? Don't put them up here, write them on paper. Let me play around with it and see what are my most important points. How will they respond to them? How do I expect them to push back? Right. How could this go wrong? And then how will I counter um, their pushback? Right. So counter the counter. And then after you've kind of, you know, organized your thoughts, rehearse them. Right. If you have time, practice in front of a mirror, uh, record yourself on your phone, get a friend to role play with you, with the person that you're trying to talk with. And then uh, final step is, yeah, you've, you've set the appointment, you've got your homework ready, follow through. Right. And you want to see. Um how well your plan holds up to reality. And then right. when it doesn't go according to plan, which usually doesn't, um, how d- did you plan to improv? How do you make sure that you can still dance in the moment, think on your feet to help find that resolution that you need the other person for?
0: Right, right. absolutely. We uh, I've, I've observed that we as leaders are very bad at managing conflicts. We, mm-hmm. we usually try to avoid conflicts, you know, we just try to bypass it. Like you mentioned, we always think that this might pass through or we will deal with it when it comes to a bad moment later. So that's the easy route to take. But fantastic uh, conflict resolution strategy, which you just portrayed there. Right. So uh, three things which normally we speak about leadership or, you know, working in organizations is active listening, empathy and compromise. So according to you, how can conflicts be effectively resolved through active listening, empathy and compromise?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Active listening is such a great start and very fundamental and essential to any real conflict resolution, right? Right. Because what a clue that people don't pick up on when they realize that they're in a conflict, if you try to defend yourself at the first instant you hear something you don't like, you've already lost the argument. Because number one, it shows you're not listening. But here's the thing that people also, I want people to realize, because I had to learn this for myself. If you really want to have a a response that's really going to land, you wait for the other person to tell you everything that you need to hear, right? Because now that you have the whole picture, now you can think about it, process it, extract what you need, and then you have a response that's actually going to land and i say this not to take some satisfaction like you're going to deliver some knockout punch um it's just going to be a lot more effective number 1 the person can't get mad at you because you've taken the time to listen to them right so you're not just Absolutely. like let's oh, so let him talk let him talk let him talk don't talk <laughs> okay done okay now i'm going to now i'm going to say what i want to say right you have to pay attention you have to right. take every hit and, and you might not like it but hey What helped me out? Write them down. Okay, let me make sure I'm going to write down everything. Okay, let me look at it, right? Um, And so that's how active listening helped me is that people said, you know, I would be more upset with you, except I felt, you know, that you listened to me. And that's a form of respect, right? When you allow someone to listen or to talk without interrupting, um, that is one of the, I think, the most sincere ways uh, to give someone respect. So Absolutely. that's the first part. So now that we've listened and we've gotten everything now comes in empathy. Right. And we say, Hey, all right. I like to paraphrase um, to show, Hey, you know, so here's what I'm hearing so far. This is, this is this. All right. Yeah. I can, I can see why you're frustrated. Right. right. It's hard to argue with someone who agrees with you. Yeah. You have every right to be frustrated. Right. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, from there, right. You compromise to say, Hey, look, I don't, Here's my idea. It's and to come in with that humility, right? To say, hey, you know what? Here's my idea. I know it's not perfect, but it's the best that I can offer you right now. What do you think of it? Right. How where where do we where can we line up? And what we like to say then, right? We shift from confrontation to collaboration to say, hey, look, we have a common problem, right? Do we agree on the problem? Yes. Okay. Here's what I can offer to help solve that problem. What are you going to offer to help solve that problem? Right. Because we need we we're on the same team. Um, and to remind themselves of that, to say, "Hey, look, is the same guy signing our paychecks?" Oh, yeah. Okay, then you know we better we better do our part to take care of them. So, how do right. we want to deal with these things? So, yeah, those are those are three things you can overlay to any conflict resolution if you want to increase the chances of success. Absolutely, absolutely. Because I,
0: I can totally relate to it. Because most of the times when my team members are, are coming to you with a problem you know sometimes we we tend to we are ready with our answers uh we just want them to finish so that we can say what we have to say you know we, we are not actively listening and also the empathy sometimes the emotions get involved you know you get all you're all riled up and you are not even trying the empathy muscle you're not even trying to listen carefully and then see it from their point so i completely understand what what you're saying and it's even though it is tough to do but if we are successful in doing that, that's that's gonna resolve conflict right there. Mm-hmm. You know, so thank you so much for that elaborate point on that. So let's touch upon emotions, you know? Mm-hmm. What role do you think emotions play in conflicts and how can they be managed better to reach a resolution?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people try to bypass this when they when they deal with conflicts. And it's you can do that, but it's a dangerous play because right. Emotions are, and it took me a while to realize this, guys. I'm not just saying this is some dismissive thing. Like I I had to learn this the hard way. Emotions are a clue as to you know what your story is around conflict, right? For a lot of people, um, conflict means there's some level of disrespect, right, or it's a threat to their identity right? To say, you know, I am a person worthy of respect. And so when this person doesn't show up, I get mad. Well, why do you get mad? It's like, oh, because I feel disrespected, because I feel like they're not honoring the company policy, and they're not honoring me as a boss, right? So if people take the time to process those emotions, obviously, you don't want to dwell on them too much. But you know, for bigger conflicts that escalate, maybe you give yourself half an hour, maybe you give yourself 24, depending on what uh, is this, the stakes of the situation and what the other person is willing to give you to say, hey, you know what? And you can sense this to say, hey, you know what? I think emotions are getting the best of me right now. Um, can we t- take a time out and come back in like half an hour or can I check with you during during lunch or at, you know, can I sleep on this for a day, right? Um, and so, yeah, you need to get that story around. Okay, why am I feeling this way? Uh, because once you do that, that'll actually help you be more honest and show that active listening and empathy to say, Hey, look, I feel really disrespected. Right. When, when you show up late, I feel like you're not really giving the best to your company. And it's nothing like that thing you're intentionally doing. Just understand how this affects me. Right.
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in, in, in every organization, there are multiple departments working together on projects or maybe, you know, certain products, et cetera. So how can, companies effectively handle conflicts between team members or departments as such? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think part of it, the big part of it is just dialing up the empathy uh, dial, the empathy gauge, because let's say, let's take, uh, let's take two departments like sales and then like research, right? So let's say it's a tech company and you have the sales side, then you have like the research and development side. Both of them, right. They, they can't stand each other because the research development side says sales keeps making promises that we can't honor, right? And they, they keep right. promising new features and things that, you know, take more time than what they're telling clients, right? And then sales over here is saying, well, you know, they they don't talk to anybody, right? So they don't know what it's like to have to build and maintain and manage relationships and actually build money in the door. So both sides mm-hmm. are kind of digging their heels in, right? Uh, and so one strategy is, okay, when we say dial up the empathy engage, have one person from sales shadow, you know, someone in R&D and take someone from R&D and shadow the sales and marketing department, right? right. And then they say, okay, ha- let's have a group meeting. What did you learn? What did you, you know, what surprised you, right? And they give them the, they give them the count to say, oh, you know, here's what I wasn't aware of. Here's, here's something I could appreciate more about. Here is how I'm willing to accommodate the fact that, you know, there are factors that I wasn't aware of And in light of this new information. Here's how I would make adjustments. Right. So right. Um, that's one kind of conflict. The other kind of conflict that you'd find is really the direction of the company, right? You have, every company is going to go through phases where they realize, Hey, this is what makes money for us now. Right. And at some point that business model will go obsolete. The, uh, and so you have other people that are saying, okay, here are some possible new you know, revenue streams that we need to look into once this goes obsolete, right? And so you have uh, that kind of conflict as well to say, hey, you know, we're ready. You have people that are saying, hey, we're ready to pivot because this cash cow is no longer, you know, giving us as much milk. And they're saying, no, but there's still so much more, you know, milk to be had here. So where do you make that transition, right? So I'd say at that point, you have to ask yourself, right, or at least one CEO did for Intel, actually, when they had to make the transition from uh, memory chips to processor chips, the CEO actually asked himself, um, if they fired me and brought in a replacement, uh, how would he handle this? Right, And so when he had the new perspective uh, of realizing, hey, the new guy wouldn't be attached to the old. Uh, he would know that we we're ready to pivot and move on to the new. Uh, he saved his own job and he's actually saved the company. So, uh, oh. you know, worked pretty well. But yeah, so those are the kinds of conflicts that I, I feel like I see a lot of in in um, companies. And so obviously, it's going to be different, you know, small business versus middle versus enterprise. But um, anytime uh, you have multiple departments, you can expect that to be an issue. So just absolutely. like, I said, yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. So continuing on that, you know, uh, for example, uh, let's imagine that there are multiple team involved, etc. How can conflicts be resolved in a fair and equitable manner for all the parties involved? Is mm.
1: there
0: any, any any methods you prefer or anything from your experience?
1: <laughs> um the practical answer is to put him in a room and lock the door and say no one leaves until we find something <laughs> right? like, because like, if, as long as you give people a place to run or they just clam up there it's just not going to happen um right. but that's kind of I, I joke but that's kind of what happens what needs to happen right is you get all the department heads in a room or you get everybody that needs to and you say okay we're going to block off the next half hour no one's going to have to pick up any phones. We're just going to let everything go to voicemail. This is going to be uninterrupted focus time to put everything on the table, guys. Because, and you explain, hey, here are the benefits of putting it all on the table, right? Exactly. If people are upset with you, you should—they should know exactly why. You know, you, you should, it's in your best interest to know exactly why. And so, what are you know? Ask yourself, I guess, if you had to lead the conversation, well, ask what do we all want. We want, you know, do we want a team that functions well and, and communicates well and, you know, help, and takes care of the bottom line? Everyone's like, well, yeah, right. That's Carnegie, right. He asked to ask questions. They have no choice but to say yes to Well, of course I want to work. Well, of course I want to be a good teammate, of course. And so from there he says, okay, then you ask yourself, well, what are the, what are the current obstacles that you can identify that are keeping us from being productive and being good teammates and not getting the bottom line done? And so now right? The conflict is not with each other, right? right? The conflict is in terms of how do we solve this problem? So when you're arguing over solutions, as opposed to arguing over blame, that's usually a good sign that the, the, the conversation will be difficult, but will be productive. Right, right,
0: right. Arguing over solutions. I love that. Fantastic. Yeah, it sounds, uh, what you just mentioned sounds simple, but as, as as I can I can only imagine, as a conflict resolution expert you might have it in situations where it's not that simple to get it done with, with people with egos in the same room mm-hmm. and you know moderating such conversations fantastic all right so uh, one of the negative impacts of conflict is directly the impact on productivity and morale right so how can leaders or businesses ensure that conflicts are resolved in a timely manner so that it doesn't have a negative impact on productivity and morale
1: yeah um, the simple answer is if you see something say something right um, and I say this because like the a, a, man, a method that we used to use and go by is what we like to call the crap sandwich, right You start with something nice you're like, Ooh. oh hey, this is what we like about you, but we don't like this. But you know overall you're doing okay so just work on this thing and and when people get used to that right there they, they they immediately, you know, call you out for the fact that, Oh, this compliment is going to lead to something that's the real (laughs) thing that I want to talk about. Right. Right. As opposed to just calling things out as you see them, right. Right. Hey, you did this really well. I appreciate it. Hey, this didn't go so well. Can we talk about this? Right. And so when you, the point and shoot approach, right. Works only if you appreciate them as much as you have to call out, because you still have to balance the good and bad. And the problems with that still happen because if someone is particularly inconsistent with, you know, making mistakes, then you have, to, then they feel like you're singling them out. Right. And then you have to reassure them to say, Hey, look, I'm just pointing out mistakes. If you happen to make 10 mistakes, I have to call out all 10 mistakes. There's nothing Absolutely. against you. I'm just simply trying to help you do your job well. Right. Sure. And so you have to add a lot of reassurance to say, Hey, I, I, I wouldn't hold you to the standard unless i thought you could handle it and everyone, like you know people need to leaders be very judicious with that statement because if you don't really mean that they will not respect you right it sounds like a great phrase but if you're only using it to manipulate and not because you genuinely want the best for that other person um your relationship will go south quickly so Absolutely. yeah i'd say those are, that's where it starts where leaders set a good tone to say hey look I need to be sure I balance out, I point out, and appreciate my team for as many things as I know I need to uh, instruct and, and correct them on. And if you can do yeah. that correctly, uh, then yeah, you have a fighting chance of, of having a good team in place.
0: Right, right. Love the term crap sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So let's talk, uh, you know, before we end the questions on the topic, uh, mm-hmm. give you know, a couple of questions more. Mm-hmm. so what are what are some of the potential long-term impacts of unresolved conflicts in a workplace?
1: And yeah what, yeah already yeah, yeah. mentioned
0: about how to prevent them but what are the potential long-term impacts of the well, potential
1: yeah yeah so first you're going to have a resentful team right? right you're going to have people that they're not talking now they're not talking with each other because they're like well you know why should i even speak up if they're not going to change the behavior anyway and so right like you don't and so this leads to two problems one, either they leave, right? when good people leave because they feel like you're not addressing issues, you're going to lose talent. That, or even if good talent stays around to say, well, you know, I'm not going to find a better company than what this one currently offers. I'm just not that excited to work here. So now you have someone who's either, who's resigned because they're just like, ah, eh, well, you know, I guess I'll just, you know, put in my eight hours and they'll just go home. But I mean, this isn't fun anymore, right? Uh, right. So between your bottom line hurting because your, your team is not productive, your team morale is bad. So people just aren't, you know, like small arguments escalate into big arguments and petty things. Right. And now it's egos start to show. And then, yeah. So financially, uh, emotionally, uh, relationally, um, the company will ultimately suffer because, um, you know, like things aren't being addressed. And unfortunately, leaders, it's not going to feel fair to you. But uh, it starts with you and it starts even even if things that are happening that aren't your fault, like they still are your responsibility, right? Like, absolutely. Like, yeah, and so, um, yeah, so those are the consequences of unresolved conflict. You're going to lose people. You're going they're going to quit on you, whether they stay on your payroll or not. Um, yeah, it's, it's just not going to go well for the, the company may or may not last, because if you lose enough people over time, um, you know, it's not a good trajectory.
0: Absolutely, not a pleasant situation to be in at all.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So, my final question on conflicts uh, is that, you know, even, even the resolution happens, mm-hmm. what happens next is more important than that, right? Mm-hmm. So, how can businesses and organizations continue to support employees and teams after the conflict has been resolved to maintain a positive work environment? What are some of our thoughts? What are some of your
1: thoughts? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. Uh... A solution doesn't mean much if you don't check to see if it's actually effective, right? So right. set some set some metrics, right? Or set some timelines to say, hey, look, you know, we have a solution in place. We think it's pretty good. Can I check on it in a month, see how things are going, right? Um, can I get your thoughts? If anything happens before then, are you, are you willing to speak up and let me know that we need to make adjustments sooner, right? Uh, so part of it is just helping... Uh, empower and enabling sound similar but actually are very different right you want to empower the person to say hey look you have a voice in this you have a say in this you have an opportunity to take some level of initiative you don't want to enable right where like people have bad habits and then it's just like well you know they keep littering but i'll pick up after them and it's like but then they still litter because out there littering doesn't have any consequences right because now you're doing two jobs uh and so yeah the key is and people may not like this they think oh this is exhausting and it's like well you know it's still up to you to check that the solutions are in place because if they aren't like you will definitely find out that they're not working well and um and also just as a blessing right if the solution is working well you get to move on to the next challenge right uh, <laughs> and so uh, yeah. but at least you're working on challenges that you're more excited to work on as opposed to challenges that you feel like you don't have to be dealing with it
0: Right, right. The firefighting has to stop at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Jerry. That was those were my questions about conflict resolution, and I'm so happy that you came on the show. Uh, you know, I could I could see uh, your experience talking about managing situations which are really tough. Because conflict, I'm pretty sure, if you take ten leaders, nine of them would love to avoid them. You know, mm-hmm. so you have been in this field. It's such a tricky field, and I could. I'm so happy that you came on the show and shared your thoughts on this. My final question is always about the guest and their body of work. So, you know, okay. what what got me intriguing when I first met you and I started following your work is your work with African Asian American leaders, you know? So you are a fa- you are a founder of Adapting Leaders, you're a conflict resolution coach for Asian American leaders. Tell us about how did this journey start? And how has it been going so far?
1: Uh, did I lose? Hang you? On. I think there, I think we I think we had some I think we had some static. There are some some uh, some hiccups yeah. in our did, connection. You, did you
0: get my question? Um, did you get my question?
1: Ask it one more time. I heard things about, you know, how did I get to this point of being a like a conflict resolution coach and, and why did right, I that right. audience? Is that what I heard? Okay. Yeah, yeah, happy to answer that, make sure um, our connection doesn't complicate things. Um, yeah, I mean, what we, we joke about, right, is our niche doesn't always, like, we don't always choose our niche, like, sometimes our niche chooses us. And by any of that, as you guys can probably figure out, um, difficult conversations were what kept me from being a more effective leader. Because a lot of times I avoided, you know, leadership positions altogether because I just felt like I wasn't good at conflict, and I wasn't good at confronting people. And addressing, you know, necessary and awkward moments, right? Because I just, I just, they never seem to go well, and you just feel like you seem to twist their arm. And even if you get them to agree with you, then they just resent you and they don't do it anyway. And I just said, okay, this is not a cycle I want to keep signing up for. So I just said, I I must not be very good at it. So I'm just going to avoid it. Until I got fired, and I realized that, you know, I got put in some situations where if I didn't address the conflict now, I could see my own detriment, right? How it was costing me. Right? I was at one point I was at a job where. For my paychecks bounce, only for crooked doctors. So I'm jeopardizing my license and my boss is ripping me off, right? And how, how do you confront a boss that's doing that, right? Like the life's manual, your parents don't teach you this. Hey, when you have a different boss, like this is what you need to do. Like of all the situations to prepare your son for, right? Uh, and so you realize quickly that my the comfort that I want to stay in is costing me greater things, right? Like I can stay we'll say like, Oh, well, you know, let me just give him the benefit of the doubt. It's like, no, you need to, he's not going to pay you as long as you don't like, you know, bring it up the topic, Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and that even, even worse is when I got written up by another company because I had technicians who were not pulling their weight and I just, in my misguided approach to grace and forgiveness, I wasn't writing them up or firing them. And they said, you know, it's it sounds nice, Jerry, but you really, this is just a cop out for the work that you know you need to do. Because like as, as we talk about, you know, parents who love their children will discipline them when necessary. And so discipline is the perfect intersection of pain and love, right? It's just like, yeah, like I hate having to do this, but I know the consequences if I don't, right? And so that's kind of what I realized. When I had to evict a roommate, same thing. Um, and I just said, oh, you know, I don't want to have to, put him in this difficult situation. But um, if he's not going to help contribute to cost of living by, you know, in living in the same house, uh, that was unacceptable. And so that was the reason that difficult conversations came about was that I was like, well, you know, I've tried and failed at this so many times that the sooner or later I'm going to get something right. Let me share this information so that other people in my position uh, can have a little sooner chance of success. And yeah, so that comes to Asian American leaders who grew up with multiple cultures and have this conflict to say, Hey, you know what? My parents told me I need to follow the rules. Like, cause these leading following these rules is what leads to success. Until you realize that real life doesn't owe you success just because you got good grades at a good school and you have a good resume. And now you have to deal with conflict, right? Or, or you want to pick a profession that your parents don't like. They're like, no, you need to be a doctor or an engineer, right. Or an accountant, you know, something safe. Right. And as, as we all know, the last couple of years have shown us that what we thought was safe and stable was no longer true. And even now, right. We thought companies like Google and the tech industry were going to be like safe jobs and people still get laid off. So you have a lot of conflicts, right. Where people are just like, I don't know how to deal with this. And so, especially with people from an immigrant background or a third culture background, right. When they say, Hey, the culture I grew up in like the values and the things that they promise success are not working. Um, you know, the culture I grew up in at home where I'm not allowed to question my parents isn't working at work where I know I need to speak up. Otherwise, I'm going to be taken advantage of. So how do I uh, navigate a better path for myself? How do I advocate right. more for myself? And so that's, you know, I, I said, you know what, that's who I was 10 years ago. And let me start there and serve them.
0: Right, right, right. Fantastic. I'm, I'm so glad that there are people like you who exist in this world, which is uh, which is helping a lot of people. Uh, Because uh, we all face conflicts every day in personal and professional life. So we need coaches like you who can help things out. So thank you so much, Jerry, for your time. Uh, And thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on such a difficult topic. And I wish you all the best on your journey. And uh, let's stay in touch and do some more things together to handle this specific topic. Thank you so much, Jerry.
1: Thank you. Be in touch. Bye-bye.
0: Right, so that was uh, Jerry Fu, who is the founder of Adapting Leaders. Check his work out as adaptingleaders.com. Pretty amazing work. Conflict is something which I don't like, you don't like, nobody likes, but it is something we cannot avoid in everyday life, in our personal and professional lives. Thank you for listening to The Thrifty Marketer Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Podcasts. See you in the next episode.